Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. Today, <laughs> Michelle is back with me, Michelle Tillis Letterman. Michelle, it is so great to have you back on the ContenderCast. I couldn't even wait. I... I love your energy. I love your enthusiasm. You're like, we were chatting before and you're already laughing. So that just makes my night. I'm laughing because for those of you that would never know this, you wouldn't know that. We did an interview earlier in the year and it was amazing. Uh, For those of you that haven't listened to part one, it's called The Connector's Advantage, Seven Mindsets to Grow Your Influence and Impact. And it was uh, my interview with Michelle on her new book, which is amazing. Um we're not going to talk about that today, but what you'll find in that is we dug into so many really cool topics that I thought, man, we got to get back together and like do a part two. And so that's what we're doing today. Don't you think that's fun, Michelle? I do. <laughs> I'm fired up. I, 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 and what's funny is I came into the uh, interview today with one idea and we changed it in the last like three minutes. So now we're just going to kind of let it flow and see where it goes. So <laughs> I just am excited. Okay. So, uh, all right. For those who don't know, Michelle, author, leadership expert, but really a relationship networking expert and everything around that. And so what we're going to talk about today are actually kind of a, a hybrid of her two books, The 11 Laws of Likeability, Relationship Networking, because people do business with people they like. And Another one of her books, Nail the Interview, Land the Job. So if you're kind of in that space of love your job, but are thinking of maybe wanting to do something else or hate your job and want to do something else, or you love helping other people find a job, or you have no idea what to do, but you have a great network and maybe they can maybe one day help you find a job. Like Somehow all of this today is going to go together. And so that's our, our roadmap. What do you think, Michelle? Uh, I think I think we can add, add one more or, or or if you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking about hiring and building a team. Oh, I love uh, that one. That one is key. That's huge. Okay. All right. So let's dive in. So um, one of the things I liked, Michelle, when I checked out your book, 11 Laws of Likeability, because I just like this whole idea of likability and then the premise of that then leading to other things. So talk about, I know this book is a couple years old, but the content is so fresh and, and relevant. Talk about that. And then um, we can dive into some of the key lessons of that and then like you can jump into the interview topic. Sure. And you know, it's funny, it's been out for a couple of years, um, but yet it still sells every day. And it's, it's what the publishers call evergreen content because it's true. Um, this is not new that people do business with people they like. We know that, but it's understanding how can we um, not make people like us because we can't do that. We can't make somebody like us, but what we can do is enable them to see what's likable about us and and understanding what drives like a building, what drives connection, and what we can do before, during, and after a conversation to turn that into a connection. I love this. And I, and I, while well, I love the title of the book, I think the subtitle to me is what was the hook. Like, and maybe it's just my style. Like, I, I always think about relationships and making connections with people and helping them find, you know, a win. But I love that, you know, your comment here about people do business with people they like. And, I find that still to be the case, even, you know, I work for a big company in my day job, but you know, when you meet a supplier or a partner and you connect well, it almost like starts to override whether or not they're actually good at what they do 
versus even someone that's their their solution or technology or capability is better, but you're just not sure you like the people or the team? It is actually even more so than it used to be. So I actually look at some statistics over time and millennials are more in tune with the kind of referral network. You know, they grew up with Yelp and, and all of those, you know, Amazon reviews and things like that. And so they're accustomed to really looking at the referral network and 92% of people trust a referral from somebody they know, and they're four times more likely to buy. Wow. That's pretty powerful. And I'm guessing that then ties into the whole uh, job space, career space. So if you're one of those individuals, you know, they're more likely to take a reference from a friend or uh, get their perspective on a company or a type of job or whatnot from a friend versus a job board or some sort of article or other publication. Oh, I can throw statistics at you all day. Please bring it. Bring it, Michelle. um, (laughs) When I started doing this work, about 60% of jobs came from networking. This current statistic is 85% overall and 90% at the executive level. Wow. So it has really grown in the last, you know, 15 or so years. Okay. And, um, and to the point around that, you know, asking a friend, this statistic kind of scares me, but 28% of millennials report that they won't even try a product if their friends don't approve of it. Wow. Well, it's, <laughs> it, no, it's, I, it's unbelievable. I mean, I love stats and, and that usually provides grounding for change, right? And yesterday, I actually had a one-to-one with uh, an individual. It's not on my team, but he, he wanted to get together. And one of his questions for me was like, how... And he's a couple years out of school, um, so he's he's asking how do I, how do I build a network, and not only in the company but outside of the company, and think about relationships differently. And what I loved about that was just the openness and interest in in not only growing his network and, and reach, but wanting to leverage others in a new way. And and do you see that as easy for some and difficult for others? Well, so now you're actually talking about my most recent book, The Connector's Advantage. Uh, I know. We're doing, we're uh, we're tying them all together. (laughs) We're tying them all together. Well, they really do tie together. So the 11 laws of likability is foundational in terms of concept for understanding connection. Um, And in the subtitle, Relationship Networking, I always say networking is something you do, but a connector is who you are. And what your friend is talking about is, is having a connector's mindset and infusing into their interactions the prioritization of relationship. And not being strategic or, oh, I only want to know this key person because they can help me, but rather building all sorts of depth and breadth in your relationships because it's not about them helping you. It's about who in your network can help somebody else in your network. And that's a connector's mindset. I love that. And to be a good connector, you've got to be likable. Is that true? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I, I always worry about this word likable. I know, but you called your book the Love and Laws of Likability. (laughs) Right. But I never thought I was so likable. And that's actually... <laughs> hey, I had you back on the podcast. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, you know, growing up, I was what I would call a polarizing personality. People loved me or they hated me, but there wasn't a lot of in between. And so I wanted to understand what it was I was doing to get one reaction or another. And that's kind of where I understood the laws of likability, like understanding where our connections were, where my energy was what my self-perception was versus what somebody else's perception was of me. Um, and so understanding those drivers helped me to enable people to see what was likable about me. You are not, we are all, you, we are all innately likable people, but not necessarily for the same things to the same people. So what you might like about me might be not what somebody else likes about me. Right. Well, one of the things I thought 
was really cool was it's almost like if you know yourself well, then others can know you or, or at least know how to work with you better. You know what I mean? Like you got to know yourself first. One of the, so I want to pick out a couple things from your likability book because I know we didn't cover these on the last podcast, but um, and I thought this concept was really interesting. Looking at others with unbiased eyes and being authentic will make you more likable. So. Talk about that from the standpoint of someone that's you know early career, growing in their career, or even someone looking to um, you know even make a, a job change. So we we come into life and all of our experiences with um, bias, you know, conscious, unconscious, positive, negative. It's it's just we have experiences and they form the way that we think. And as an advanced species, we draw conclusions really quickly, and that's not a bad thing. But when we can um, really catch ourselves in those moments and slow our thinking down and stay open and stay accepting and trust that we will be accepted, we can bring our real self because you can't like somebody who's not being real. No like, question. I, I don't know who you are, so how can I like you? <laughs> so true. That's so true. And the other thing you talk about, uh, you know, as related to kind of knowing yourself is knowing you know, kind of where your energy is and when something is a good connection or not, like when it's the right event for you, when something's the right environment for you, when someone is the right person for you to be working with or for and how important that is. This was actually the hardest chapter and I wrote it first because it was a concept that people couldn't get. I know you think people write books in order. We don't. Uh, (laughs) This was my first chapter and it was so hard for me to explain to my publisher what I was talking about that I wrote the chapter first. And the idea of energy is that it's contagious, right? So the energy, you, you started laughing and you brought my energy up. I love it. I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, we're recording this end of day. It's raining out. (laughs) We already had that this morning. It's passed through. (laughs) All of that, right? And so that can bring your energy down, but then somebody else brings energy and it becomes contagious. And so understanding your energy and what you're bringing to a situation. And I talk about not just, you know, happy energy, but productive energy. So sometimes a calm energy could be really productive for a situation. It's not about always being happy, maybe a, a thoughtful energy or a reflective energy. So it's not to be, you know, perky all the time because somebody right. might want to slap you. <laughs> yeah. I get that occasionally, um, it, by the way. <laughs> it, yeah, me too. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's about understanding your natural energy, your energy flows during different times of day. It's about um, if you're going to an event, your energy's not in the place, can you shift your energy? Can you invoke real emotions? Like, so give a lot of strategies in the book around understanding your energy and if you can naturally shift it to bring a productive energy or I give you permission to like not go because I know I saw that. It's like, if this isn't your thing, like don't go. I'm like, Oh my God, that's such a crazy idea. (laughs) (laughs) Like I've been there and it's funny because I remember very, very recently I went about a year ago to an event and I hadn't been to one of these events. It was an association. I hadn't been to one in a long time. I didn't know anybody who was going, but it was really close to my house. And I felt like I should. And it was that word should. I should, no. I should go. You know, right? you need to be seen or you got to check the box. Not a good reason. And I showed up and I didn't really <laughs> feel the energy about being there. I didn't really want to be there. And I kind of, you know, I had a cookie and I was, you know, wandering around and having half conversations. And I thought about leaving. About 20 minutes in, I really was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the restroom and then I'm going to, I'm just going to disappear. Out. And that would have been fine. 
But I also believe in stretching yourself. And I also believe in the possibility of shifting your energy to a place where it does work. And so on my trip to the restroom, I thought about, well, can I shift my energy? Where can I, where can I find a productive energy? And so when we evoke real emotion, we think about something that we are energized by or something that we can um, find the good, right? So what is good about the, pl- the place I'm in right now or the event that I'm at that I can feel good about and, and engage with? And I came back and I didn't leave. And I saw somebody who I hadn't seen for about five years and he remembered me. I spoke to his chapter of this association five years earlier and he, and he remembered me and that shifted my energy oh, as well. So you found a reason to stay. And so I chatted with him and then I, I said, oh, so-and-so is part of your chapter. And they're like, yeah, he's coming. And I was like, oh, there's another reason for me to stay. I get to see somebody else I haven't seen in a long time and reconnect. I ended up staying for quite a while, and as a result of showing up and shifting my energy, I have a recurring business where I'm actually going to be training for the company <laughs> in two days. That's so funny. <laughs> I will say, yeah, and I definitely am guilty of that, of either disappearing <laughs> if it's not what I want to be at or or other, or just not showing up. But I found also, like you did, like occasionally, and maybe more than 50% of the time, something surprising comes out of it out of those opportunities. So anyway, I don't want to get us down that rat hole, but um, no, I cool. mean, I, I love that because you're open to the possibility, I but I also do want people who are listening, who have been there right. to say, you know what, tonight it's okay for me not to show up because if I'm showing up with the wrong energy, it's not going to help anybody anyway. Uh, so true. let me, let me come back to mingle another day. <laughs> right. No, I totally agree. I've also narrowed my focus a bit in terms of where I spend my time, but that's, that's another topic for another interview. Okay. So, um, Let's let I, when I saw your interview book, my first thought was, huh, another interview book. You know, there's a lot of interview book. It's just right, lots of steps, to, nine, ten steps to the best interview, nine steps to being great interview. But what I loved about nail the interview, land the job was, it wasn't just a how to do a good job on an interview, but it was really it took both sides of it from the employer and the employee. And I just thought, it, what a cool concept, and in, in the fact that you brought this to life in a market where, as you know, there's just lots of things, lots of resources out there on this topic. But I think you've done a good job of piecing this together with the likability idea, and then also this idea of your most recent book around being a connector. So, talk about the uh, interview book and where this came from. Well, absolutely, and actually, it came from um, one other book that we haven't mentioned is called Heroes Get Hired, and um, there were, you know, when I. That book came out in 2013. At the time, there was going to be about a million service members coming back into the civilian workplace over the course of five years. And so um, I wanted to be of service to our veterans. I wrote a book to help them reintegrate. And, you know, that book, if there's veterans listening, that book is free for veterans. It is an enhanced ebook where there's video content. Um, You can go on my website and download activities. It's all free for veterans and their spouses. Yeah, this is awesome. Hey, real quick on that one, though, Michelle, let me just do the plug on that. So Tears Got Hired, How to Use Your Military Experience to Master the Interview. And um, her website is Michelle Tillis Letterman forward slash books. And you can go right to that page. Okay, back to you. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, I've had people, I have people from Korea saying, can I print this book out? It's so cool. Yes, it's free. It's for you. I I can't afford to give you a paperback, but if you want to print it out, go ahead. (laughs) Print it it away. All right. So Um, you do that one. So what happened was my, my, um, parent friends who were returning to the workplace was like, well, where's our book? And my, the kids of my friends were saying, well, my kid's about to graduate. Where's their book? And so nobody who land the job came out of that where I now address 
the veterans have their own book, but everybody else is this book. So I address the issues of older workers, those that have been laid off, those that are returning after a, a, a leave, or those that have just graduated. So not only do I give you kind of the ways to think about what you do before, during, and after an interview, and by the way, after an interview is even after you do or don't get the job, it's not over yet. So <laughs> I really take you from a much more of a journey than just the day of the interview. Um, but I also address the specific and special issues of each of those special groups. Well, let's dive in because I think this is intriguing. So let's pick, what would you say are maybe top, the top two or three things to think about before and after? I'd, I'd love to hear some of those that are that make this unique. And I'm really fascinated with the whole idea that once you're there, it's not over. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, we can talk about, and I'll just throw them out there so people hear <laughs> let's them. Let's go, yeah. The stages of the interview um, on the day of, you know, that rapport building is so key and so critical. And that really ties into that likability thing. And there's biases that we as interviewers have that you as an interviewee can can um, leverage, let's just say. <laughs> All um, right, you got to <laughs> unpack that for us. <laughs> so, for example, the similar to me bias. If you leverage some of the laws of likability, like the law of similarity, the law of association, um, the law of listening, um, the law of mood memory, if you apply those during that rapport building, you make somebody feel connected and they say, ah, oh, this is somebody who I could work late at night with. This is somebody I want to work with, or this is somebody like me and people like people like them. No question. And what happens with the similar to me bias is they then look at all your answers through this lens of, I already like them. Uh, so we need to be really careful of that when we're interviewing and make sure that we, we don't need two of us. We need somebody who's going to compliment us and to be very careful not to fall into that trap, but to understand if we're interviewing Got it. that it really, really helps. No question. <laughs> wow. No question. So give us a couple of the others. So that was kind of in the middle of the interview. And I know you yeah. asked me for beginning. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, but I do think that the beginning of the interview happens, um, you know, it, it happens way before because you've done your research and all of that stuff. And that's stuff that you, you know, you probably know about and, and you can have your informationals and you can, you know, think about your questions and things like that. But I also want you to think about when you walk in the building, uh, you know, and I'm sitting there, and I'm changing my shoes and somebody's catching me and I'm making a joke with the security guard and, and I'm signing in at the security desk and I'm making conversation and eye contact with them. And I'm sitting in the reception area and I might be looking at what's on display or, or talking to somebody else in that room. All of those things have an impact on how you're perceived and your energy. So I know organizations that have gone to the security guard and say, well, how are they when they walked in? Of or course. they've gone to the receptionist. Sure. And people have lost jobs because they were rude yeah, at no any question. stage of that process. No question. Or the follow-up. And it actually really helps your nerves when you um, can distract yourself a little bit. So I always chat with the receptionist because they're um, open and they're willing. And it could be where the restroom is and I'll crack a joke that it was a long commute <laughs> or, or I'm like, can I go hide my shoes somewhere? And, and it just makes it a disarming moment. Sure. Um, if somebody else is waiting in the interview room, uh, in the um lounge, I might chat with them because I'm getting in that rapport building mode. I'm getting that conversational mode rather than let me sit here and look like I am not waiting for somebody to come pick me up. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. You, uh, you don't want to get on your phone because then you're going to get distracted by what's no. on your phone and then you're buzzing to put things away as somebody comes up. and they. So you just want to get into that mindset right sure. there. 
Uh, and you know, you, you you touched on something quickly that wasn't your main point, but I, I'm going to make it another point. Is I, I've done a lot of interviews the last let's just say six to eight months of candidates for different roles, and I'm I'm just blown away and surprised at a lot of times the lack of preparation or the lack of homework or the lack of just doing a quick Google search to find something to find that commonality. I even, you know, I have the list of who's I'm going to be meeting with and doing a little homework on LinkedIn about them. Like I find that the people that do that, and you would think this is one one right? I mean, everyone should know this, but that they're the people that do that just stand out and it just gives them a, I think an instant set of credibility in an interview. Absolutely. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to name drop. (laughs) (laughs) Right. If you can say, you know, Hey, I was chatting with my friend so-and-so and and they know that person and they like that person. No question. Um, But you do want to, um, you want to make sure they actually like that person. (laughs) That's true. You never know. That's so funny. Right. So if you're going to name drop one, ask permission of the person who you're referencing um, and find out about their relationship with them because you could associate with somebody who is going to actually work against you. No question. I just don't, I, don't, I mean, it's like, how can you not come prepared? Um, I, anyway, I don't want to, I, 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 it's just crazy. Anyway. Okay. Um, so what about so after the end? Of yes, the I want to hear, cause that was so interesting. You know, most people don't ever think about that. So share some thoughts around that piece. So I always say the end of the interview is not the end. And I'm not just talking about your thank you note. Everybody knows that one. I am talking about feedback. Whether you get the job or you don't get the job, you know, can you get a little feedback, especially when you don't get the job? And then even more so, if you don't get the job, you might say, you know, I might know somebody. Sure. That's a great idea. You know, if you haven't found anybody yet, um, tell me a little bit more about why I wasn't a fit. And maybe I know somebody to connect you to. Now you're building a relationship. Yeah, no question. That's and, good. And then sometimes what I've had is, you know, I, I many times I've coached somebody around this and they really love the company, They, re- but it, the job wasn't the right fit. And so they kept in touch and they might say, you know what? You're right. This, this role wasn't the right fit. This would be a better fit. Let's keep in touch and let's see if that pops up. I even had companies who liked the person so much, they created a job for them. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Especially no, in this market, right a, a no forever, right? No question. That's right, and and you're right. I mean, if you get the role, it I think you still want to have some feedback on what was, what went well, and the things that were concerned, so you can address those right right out of the gate. Um, and if you don't, it is nice to get feedback. Not everybody likes feedback. I think a lot of people listening would say, "I hate when I get feedback," but sometimes it's helpful and. Um, the way you ask for it also, I think is, is important. I mean, one of the things I've noticed is, you know, that those candidates that it doesn't work out, they, they, they close it in a nice way. Great. There are others that, you know, thought they nailed it and they just can't get over it. And, and that handling it that way also is not the best for your brand. Yeah. Because, you know, it's a small, small world and small industries that meet that we nation. And so if you do get the job, great, your interview is not over. You're, you're now thinking about your onboarding, which is um, a high correlation to your first two weeks on the job and your longevity on that job. So, uh, you know, who else can you connect with ahead of time? What else can you ask about um, so that your onboarding goes smoothly? What does success look like or what are your tips or advice? Because now, now I've got the job and now we're building relationship in a different way. No question. Love it. Okay, Michelle. Wow. Um, 
we've I think we hit on all three. It's amazing. All right. Share with our listeners how they can find you, where they can engage with you, where they can find your content, et cetera. I love when I hear from listeners. Uh, the best place to start is the website that Justin shared, Michelle Tillis Letterman, L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. And it is Michelle with two L's. I know all you one L'd Michelle's out there. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know? That's okay. <laughs> Good that you clarified. Um, but, <laughs> but Michelle with two L's, Tillis Letterman.com is a place to start. And from there, you can get to my LinkedIn. I love to connect on LinkedIn. Love it. I have the Facebook and the Twitter too, but I'm best on LinkedIn. Oh, I'm on Insta, but not great. I'm, I'm, I'm learning that one. Um, <laughs> I but do like I have Instagram. a YouTube channel, oh, awesome. and there's a whole playlist for people who are interviewing or the likability networking, depending That's on awesome. what content you're interested in. I have a newsletter you can join. I've got quiz. Actually, I've got free gifts. Ooh, if you go to my free website, gifts. And you put, yeah, if you put slash free gifts or oh no gift pack, gift pack. I'm, I'm here right now. I'm going to be right on the main page. Michellezilletterman.com slash gift pack, and. I have quizzes and video series and oh my God, free gifts from you. Lots of free gifts. Uh, you know, I, I have tons of content out there and I'm happy for you guys to absorb it. I love it. And next time you come to Atlanta, you need to come speak to my team. We'll do the whole thing on connectors advantage and whatnot. This would be amazing. So Michelle, thanks for coming back for round two. This has been a blast. <laughs> thanks for having me on again. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.